0: Welcome to the weekly podcast of Valley Church. I pray that this message will fill you with the hope of the gospel and will help you follow Jesus today. If you would like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, visit valleychurchwv.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. I'm gonna continue our series this week um, called Speak Jesus this morning. We'll be in uh, Acts chapter 3 in uh, just a little while, um, but I'm going to put a lot of emphasis on, uh, on the title of our uh, series, Speak Jesus in, in this message. So, uh, um, well, let's go through uh, <clears throat> just a little catch-up from um, where we're at. So, um, uh, we started in uh, Acts chapter 1, we read that Jesus had instructed his apostles not to leave Jerusalem. Uh, but to to wait there for the promise of the Holy Spirit uh, and that, uh, that the people that waited would be Jesus's witness in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And I'm pretty sure that when he said to the ends of the earth that he was talking about us right here and right now. So uh, continuing uh, on, uh, the Ecclesia was born then, and, and at that time there was about 120 people uh, in the church. And in chapter 2, we read about the Holy Spirit uh, when it was sent by God to his people, that there came from heaven this mighty rushing wind uh, that filled uh, the home where everybody was at, and that it uh, appeared as divided tongues of fire uh, and came to rest on all those who were present. And each person began to speak uh, in other tongues as the Spirit had given them utterance. Um, And at that time, there were devout men uh, of... um, Jerusalem people living in Jerusalem uh, devout Jews from all over the world and they were they were hearing these uh, Galileans speak as if they were speaking in their own language and uh, they were telling of the mighty works of God they were speaking Jesus so um, some of the the Jewish men there they they mocked them uh, saying that they were full of new wine uh, that they were drunk and uh, Peter Peter took that opportunity to preach to the crowd uh, telling them that uh, they need to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And uh, that day, those that heard and believed uh, were baptized, and there was about 3,000 added that day to the church. Last week, Jonathan preached on what the early church, um, what the early church looked like, and uh, <clears throat> I'm sorry, my, my thing's all messed up here, uh, what, the, what the early church looked like and how we should strive to get back to those roots, uh, how because of the apostles' teaching uh, that there were souls being added daily to the church. There was unison. Uh, there were, uh, they, they were coming together in each other's homes. They were breaking bread together. Uh, they were attending temple at the same time. Uh, they were a family. Uh, the early church was a family. And I, I think it was last Sunday evening, Rhonda, you asked our youth a question about what comes to mind whenever you think about Valley Church. And I think that unanimously, everybody's first words were family, that this 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 is a family that we have here. So I believe that we're on a, a good path uh, to successfully launch our 242 groups in October, right? So... Uh, there's a couple here today that I work with at the plant. They're sitting right here, Bill and Jill Shaw. And uh, when, we were, when we were doing uh, Church in the Park last time, and we were doing Five Guys, I, I mentioned to Jill that I was going to be preaching and that I was nervous, and she talked to Bill, and Bill gave me some, uh, some pointers. And one of the things that he told me was, don't talk about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bill, I'm, I'm sorry. Because... <laughs> I got a, a little bit a short story uh, about myself, but it, it'll fit in to the message, and you can, you can give me a hard time after a while or when you get off vacation. So, so uh, how many of you guys have ever been to a big city? Like big city, raise your hand, big. Like Houston, Atlanta, Los Angeles, New Orleans. Yeah, so a lot of you guys, right? So uh, I've been to almost all those cities and, and many more because uh, of the time and opportunity I had to travel in the military. And one of the things that all of those cities have in common... And uh, not, not just big cities, but, but all cities is uh, people out in public that we would call beggars, right? We see them everywhere. At a young age, I got a, a bad impression of people who lived on the streets and people who asked for help in public. I remember uh, one time my dad was watching this episode of 48 Hours or Dateline NBC or something like that. And there were these undercover reporters and they went out on the streets of New York, and they they were following this man that was panhandling for money, and they followed him all night long, and uh, through the you know the several blocks of New York that he was working, and at the end of the evening he went back to his vehicle, and they they followed him, and uh, he climbed into a Mercedes Benz and drove off after they had offered him employment, and and he 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 was uh, quoted as saying that he he made more money begging on the streets than he did working a nine-to-five job. And it's sad for for me to say that I've had far more bad encounters with people like that than I have good, so much so that it has led me for for a lot of my life, not not all of it, but a lot of my life to have animosity towards those kind of people and, and to speak negatively about them. So I remember... Another time in, in New Orleans that uh, Bree and I were out somewhere, and, and we were in a really bad part of town, and uh, which wasn't far from the house, but, you know, we were we were running out of gas. I needed gas in my truck, so I pull into this this little uh, gas station, and uh, I always kept my, my wallet in my glove box, so I reach over, and I open a glove box, and I get my wallet out, and I take my debit card out, and I put it in my back pocket, and I put my wallet back in my glove box. I remember that's, that's where it went, back in my glove box. So I got out and I, I pumped my gas and this was before you had to pay before you pump. So I, I pumped my gas and I walked over to the attendance booth and, uh, and you know, this really thick bulletproof glass and a little hole and, and I slid my card through and, and I paid for my fuel and I was heading back to the truck and there was these guys walking away from my truck. And I opened the door and I get in and Bree's closing my glove box up. And I'm like, what, what are you what are you doing? She said, well, these guys, they, they came up to the truck and they said they were, they, they'd run out of fuel. They needed money for gas. And instantly, I, you know, just right, right now, I was like, how could you be so naive as to do that? Um, and it's, it's sad to say that, you know, I had formed that opinion because that's what I've seen. I've seen that more often than not. So uh, literally the next day, we were sitting in a, a Popeye's drive through and the same guys come up with the same story of how they had run out of fuel. And uh, they, they did not receive the same generosity. We'll just uh, leave it at that. So <laughs> that was just another encounter uh, that led me to stereotyping these, these kinds of people. Um, and to be quite honest, I thought of people that would uh, ask for money on the streets as a, a second-class citizen, but in, in reality, they're just human beings, right? They're, they're just like us, uh, all created by the same God. So uh, the definition uh, of, of a second-class citizen is a person belonging to a social or political group whose rights and opportunities are inferior to those of the dominant group in society. And, and I have considered myself, um, I suppose, as part of the dominant group in society, or, or at least that one time I did. So I thought it would be, fitting to title this message, uh, What We Can Give. Um, Jonathan preached uh, last week at the end of Acts chapter 2, and he mentioned that there wasn't uh, a free-for-all style of giving in the early church, that it wasn't socialism, uh, that uh, there was considerations to be taken into account uh, before you uh, were, were given uh, money away, but it also to remember that everything we have comes from God. And I'm going to tell you that we have received a gift from God that is beyond our comprehension of value. We, we cannot comprehend uh, this gift. Let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day and for the blessings that you have given us, God, as we assemble before you this morning. I ask that you would open the minds and the hearts of those who receive this message. God, I pray that you would speak through me, that the things I say here are accurate and pleasing to you. God, guide me as I deliver your word. Amen. All right, so uh, if you guys will turn to Acts chapter 3, that's where we're going to study this morning. As I studied this scripture, um, I came to the conclusion, which I suppose is with every scripture, that there's there's so many different messages that you, you could, you could uh, come up with. And I landed on a message that examines the way that we treat those in need and, and what we have uh, to give those people. And I, I think that having, you know, going over this several times, I think I'll, op- I'll ask a lot of open-ended questions uh, during this message, but hopefully I don't uh, add too much confusion and I can tie it together at the end with some application. So uh, Acts chapter 3. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple with the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man, lame from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. So the ninth hour uh, would have been about 3 p.m. At uh, this time, Jewish custom was to start today at 6 o'clock, and even though the new church had been uh, uh, established, the, the ecclesia, uh, as we saw in chapter 2, most Jews continued to keep uh, you know the traditions and the laws, uh, especially of going to the temple at the time of prayer. So, there's a there's a lame man, at birth who, uh, or I'm sorry, a lame man from birth, who the people of uh, of the community would carry daily, and they would set by by this gate called the beautiful gate. So um, I can't imagine being lame from birth. And and if you read over in Acts 4:22, it says that this man was lame for over 40 years. And that he was sitting daily, every single day, at this beautiful gate asking for alms. And in a historical context, alms uh, is money or food that is given to the poor to help sustain them. So imagine this today, in, in today's society. Uh, what would we call this man? What, what would we call him sitting there? Uh, a beggar, yeah, right? It's poor, needy, a second-class citizen. You know, we'd we'd call him uh, a beggar. Uh, even my ESV translation titles of the chapter, uh, "The Healing of a Lame Beggar." So uh, that's what most people would would call him. Someone sitting on the street looking for a handout, but that's not really what this guy was doing, right? He wasn't sitting there looking for for a, a financial gain uh, outside of what he needed to sustain himself. Uh, he he wasn't getting a disability check. There was no form. Of uh, government assistance at that time, uh, he couldn't walk. We know he can't walk because the word says that he was carried daily, um, and uh, and the the people in the community were there to 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 help him out, to take care of him. But but did the people around him, the strangers, uh, the people that he didn't know, the people that didn't help him, did they did they know his circumstances? Probably probably not. I I know I. Maybe if they knew him personally, maybe they, they knew his circumstances. But just to walk by, as we do, see people all the time, we don't know their circumstances. So imagine this gate that they're talking about. This gate is called the Beautiful Gate. And I imagine that with a name like that, there was a, a lot of, a significant amount of foot traffic through that area. Um, we're supposed to be, we were, you know, we're, today was Church in the Park, right? We're supposed to be at the, the Payton City Park and we could have been at the Sistersville Park or the New Martinsville Park. Nothing exciting about that unless you're having church in a park. But, you know, what if the name of the, the park was the beautiful park? Not a beautiful park, not, not somebody's, you know, I think that's a beautiful place. But the beautiful park, I'd be enticed to check that out. You know, uh, this word beautiful, uh, the translation, uh, it, it's translated from Greek. Uh, the word here is horaios. And it means, uh, uh, it can be used a couple different ways of that which is seasonably produced at the right time uh, as the prime of life or the time when anything is at its loveliest and its best. So I would take away from this that this gate was probably very busy, uh, people uh, you know, traveling to the temple, uh, people traveling to go to a, re- a religious gathering just like we're doing this morning. Uh, just like our Sunday morning walk or drive into this building, we drive through town and uh, probably past several people whose circumstances we don't know who, who may be in need. So uh, how do you think this guy was starting to feel? He's, you know, 40 years, he's been, he's been sitting here and uh, he's, he's crippled. Uh, everywhere he goes, people have has to carry him. He's probably poor. Uh, relying on other people to take care of him. He's probably starting to feel or has been feeling lost, maybe hopeless, um, maybe like a burden to the, to the people that's helping him. Uh, verse 3, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked for alms or asked to receive alms. Maybe he held up a cup or pushed a basket forward. Somehow he communicated to Peter and John that, uh, that he needed help. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. <clears throat> and he, the, the lame man, fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. So here's the, the lame man sitting at the gate. He's asking for alms. And uh, Peter and John, they come walking by. And, uh, and the lame man sees them, And uh, you notice that Peter and John, they didn't turn away from this man. They, they looked at him. Uh, They didn't hide their eyes from him. They didn't direct uh, their gaze away. Instead, they locked eyes with this lame beggar. So what do we do when we see poor and needy people today on the streets begging for money? What do we do? I I know I have certainly been guilty of not making eye contact. You know, if if there's no personal connection between me and that person, there's no expectation. It's kind of the, if I don't see them, they don't see me. And I don't really feel bad right we don't feel bad if if we don't give something if we if we can't see them if they can't see us Um, so you know I I guess maybe we put our blinders on when we're in a a place like that and uh, and we see these people but this lame man he made eye contact expecting something something that I would assume was of monetary value but Peter said I have no silver and gold let's uh, stop there I see it kind of going down this way. The lame man sees peter and john and and he you know, maybe he's got his head down, he holds his cup up he he lifts up his head maybe in shame and he's dirty and, and run down and and he says uh you know he's hes he's, he's looking he's like man these, these guys see me they're they're looking at me maybe maybe they're going to offer me something and Peter and John they look back at him and they make eye contact, and he's like, these guys definitely definitely see me something you know something's going to happen and Peter, Peter tells him, Look at us. He, he approaches him, and Peter says, I have no silver and gold. And this guy's probably like, oh, you know, like let down. Really? I got bread. I don't, I don't need, I don't need food. I, you know, silver and gold. But but Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And Peter gives the man what he does have, not silver. Not gold, something so much more valuable, a gift much more valuable than worldly treasures. Peter heals him through faith in Jesus Christ. Verse 7 says, And he took him by the right hand and he raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So this healing was instant. Um, Peter didn't doubt for a second that the man was healed. He, uh, he didn't tell him to take it easy or be careful or let me help you up or you know give it a minute. You know, he, he just... He took him by the hand, and he, he raised him up, and the man was fully healed. Not a partial healing, completely healed. Um, not only was he instantly walking, but he was leaping. He, uh, he didn't need to go to the gym or physical therapy or Pilates or yoga. He just got straight up and went. <clears throat> so, you know, how amazing is that? This is the same kind of healing that we receive when we accept Jesus Christ into our lives, not, not maybe a, a physical healing, but uh, a rejuvenated spiritual healing that, uh, you know, that we're saved from the second death. And um, we've been attended to by the greatest physician of all time, uh, that we receive that, that healing that only Christ can provide. So this lame man knew that this was a gift from God uh, as he was given praise as he went. Uh, but the people were confused. Just as we read back in Acts 2:43, and it said that all came upon every soul, and uh, uh, so these these people were confused. But on a a side note, uh, why do you think this man had to wait for 40 years to be healed? I mean, often we pray for healing or for comfort, Uh, we pray for peace, any any kind of help, and it doesn't come, and we don't understand why. and we wonder if maybe we didn't pray hard enough, if we didn't pray often enough. Uh, we doubt ourselves, and maybe sometimes we doubt God. Uh, but, you know, even, uh, <clears throat> even Jesus in, in Matthew uh, chapter 6, he prayed to God. He said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, we, we have to pray for the will of God uh, to be done in our lives and the lives of others. Uh, again, even, even Jesus said to, to, to pray to God to let this cup pass from me. Uh, nevertheless, not, not your will, or not my will, but your will. Uh, and we'll see in uh, just, just a few why this man had to wait for 40 years to be healed. So, <clears throat> I'm dripping water. Uh, <laughs> so what Peter does next after, after this miraculous healing, after... Um, all the people are astounded. Uh, what, what's he, he, he takes that opportunity to speak Jesus to them. That's exactly what he does. So verse 11 says, While he clung to Peter and John, all the people utterly astounded ran together to them at the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you, sh- why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? Peter saw that the people uh, had just witnessed this healing, were astounded. Uh, some of them were confused and uh, at how mere men could have done such a thing. And Peter seizes that opportunity to speak Jesus to the group, saying, The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered to us and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one, and ask for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And in his name, by the faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. So did the lame man have faith? In this situation, do you think the lame man had faith? The Word doesn't tell us that he did. Uh, we just read that he was expecting to receive something, probably silver, uh, maybe gold. But he was expecting, or he, he wasn't expecting, I, I don't think, to be healed by Peter at this time. And, uh, and I think it was Peter's faith in Jesus that allowed this man to be healed. Somehow God called to Peter and told him, I'm going to heal this lame man and uh and and peter peter wasn't the one that healed him uh and and that's what he was telling everybody not by his own power at least peter knew uh when he looked uh at this man that god was going to heal him and uh that that in the presence of all these witnesses in doing so that god would be glorified so uh because uh Of this, Peter was able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Peter chose this moment to be a servant, just as Jesus was a servant and ministered to the people that he was around, right? Carrying on, 17. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back. That your sins may be blotted out. Remember that from earlier in in chapter 2. He told us to repent from our sins. That this time of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. Whom heaven must receive until the time of restoring. All the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, the Lord God will rise up for you a prophet like me from among your brothers. You shall listen to him whatever he tells you and it shall be that every soul who does not listen to the prophet shall be destroyed from the people peter says that if you if you do not repent from your sin if you don't listen to and follow the teachings of jesus christ that you will not inherit eternal life 24 And the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaim these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your father, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him first to bless you by turning every one of you away from your wickedness. Amen. Amen. So, this includes those, those people that I would have called second-class citizens, right, that, that Jesus was sent for everybody. So, do we look for people today in our busy lives to help, uh, for those, those broken-down, lost, uh, hopeless, desperate people that, that desperately need Jesus? Do we ask them to look at us? Do we ask them to examine our faith in Christ uh, and to witness the good things that come through the power of Jesus. I'll be, I'll be honest, I, I probably miss this opportunity uh, or turn away from it way too often. Just last, last winter, I think it was, we were at Bob Evans. And, uh, and we walked up to the counter to check out. And, and there was a gentleman there that was checking us out. And he had a tattoo on his arm. And I was like, oh, I kind of like that, you know. And I told him, that's, that's a nice tattoo. And he said, thanks, I got that in jail. And I knew... I knew right there what I needed to do. Like, I was, I, I needed to, I needed to speak Jesus to that man. And you know what I did? I didn't. I did not. I, I, I turned away. And that's on me. Uh, just recently, uh, I read in the book of Ezekiel, and, uh, and in, in, in Ezekiel, do you know what God calls him in the third chapter? Ezekiel's called a watchman for Israel. <clears throat> It starts in verse 16, I want to read that to you, and it says that at the end of the seven days, the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Wherever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning for me. If I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way, in order to save his life, the wicked person shall die for his iniquity, but his blood I will require on your hand." But if you warn the wicked man And he does not turn from his wickedness Or from his wicked way He shall die for his iniquity But you will have delivered your soul Verse 20 says again if, I, again if a righteous person turns from his righteousness And commits injustice And I lay a stumbling block before him He shall die because you have not warned him He shall die for his sin And his righteous deeds that he has done Shall not be remembered but his blood I require at your hand. But if you warn the righteous person not to sin, and he does not sin, he shall surely live, because he took warning, and you have delivered your soul. God gave us instructions that we are to share the good news of Jesus Christ, to teach others, to make disciple-making disciples. Uh, Peter and John ministered to this lame man that they see, and they changed his life forever. Uh, maybe I could have changed... That guy's life at the restaurant, I I don't know. God touches us uh, in our lives through the ministry of others, and uh, we have to take those opportunities that are put in front of us to return that gift, to minister to someone else, uh, and allow God to work through us in the life of those in need. So um, why did the, the lame man have to wait 40 years to be healed? Because that was the will of God, that Peter would heal him in front of this group of people, that that group of people would be amazed that Peter would see this, that he would seize that moment. And you know what happened because of that? There were 2,000 people added to the church. It says that over in Acts four four that the number of those who heard and believed, the number of the men came to about 5,000. So what would happen if Peter hadn't Hadn't spoken Jesus that day? What if he hadn't healed that lame man? Or, uh, or uh, you know, because of the people that were in, in astonishment, why, what if he hadn't spoken Jesus? Kathy Farabee prayed uh, a while back in our, in our prayer circle before we were kicking off Valley Kids, that just one more be added. And Darren has carried that on, Jonathan Precious. Every, every time we come together, we pray for that just one more to be added. Uh, and I ask just how, how many of those one more have we allowed to slip through our fingers because we didn't pray with that person or because we didn't talk to that person. Uh, at the end of the day, I mentioned earlier that uh, that we're all just a second-class citizen, that we're all sinners, that we all need the salvation of Jesus Christ, that I am no better than, uh, than those poor broken beggars that I've looked down on for most of my life, and I imagine that... Uh, that most people have been accustomed to giving, giving those people uh, something of monetary value. Uh, when we have something so much more valuable that we could give. Maybe we follow up uh, that financial gift with a prayer. Or uh, uh, maybe, we, uh, maybe we share the gospel of Jesus with them. Uh, maybe we speak Jesus to them and, uh, and we change their lives forever. So... Yeah, I'll uh, go ahead and invite the worship team up And we'll, uh, we'll close out in prayer <clears throat> Heavenly Father, thank you For the time that you've given us To assemble together And thank you for the, the word that you have given To direct us, God I pray that as we go from this place That we would apply your word to our lives God, that you would, that you would strengthen us that we would take this example and spread the good news of Jesus Christ, that we would minister to the people we meet, that we may glorify you through our good works. I pray that those in need would be receptive to your word and that it would transform their lives, God, healing them as only Jesus can. God, thank you for your son. It's in his holy name we pray. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Valley Church. If you are impacted by today's teaching or made a decision to follow Jesus, we would love to hear from you, pray for you, and walk with you. To connect with us, visit valleychurchwv.com. There you will find resources on following Jesus and information about how to partner with us here at Valley Church as we seek, serve, and send disciples of Christ.